I feel like so many Christians are just concerned about, okay, how do I get to heaven? And that's the focus, right? Where in reality, what you want to focus on is like the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and believe they died for you on the cross, that's when eternity starts. That's what they told me. That's why I'm sitting here. What is up, guys? Welcome back to uh, the channel. It is just me or two of us. Um, last time was me and Aiden. Not sure what happened to Aiden this time, but he's not here. So, playing Destiny. <laughs> this episode. Um, wants to get uh, the Seraph title. So that means he has to play four hours, I guess. I don't know. And season resets or something tomorrow. Or I don't know. As you can tell, we're all very enthusiastic today. But it's very, very <laughs> important to him, I guess. So. Um, Go, Aiden. So. We're talking about Mere Christianity today, which is a book that Sir C.S. Lewis wrote. Or uh, Clave S- Clive Staples Lewis, if you will. <laughs> is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Every time I see it, I'm like, that's there's no way. No way. No no wonder he goes by C.S. Lewis, bro. I would <laughs> never go by Clive Staples. What's the first time you remember seeing something made or written by C.S. Lewis, you think? Narnia. Narnia, I think that's for most, most people. When, did we watch well, the movies? What else? What, dude, what else would you... That's like, true. That's the most I read a screw tape letter from when I was eight years old. <laughs> it was really eye-opening. <laughs> yep. So I think Narnia was everyone's entrance to C.S. Lewis, but I think all his other fantasy things are kind of bummy, but I just... <laughs> th- th- you know, they're wow. not bummy. They're just too hard to read. You, you got to listen to it, bro. I remember listening to Space Trilogy while milking a cow. It was it was a great good time. It's not even that. It's just <laughs> like, what is going on? It's like he it's travels to space like, in like this little coffin thing, and then he like chases around worlds that are, or islands that are floating and they're like moving and stuff. It's just a strange fantasy thing. Yeah, but it ties back to the Bible in some crazy ways that take sometimes a long time to figure it out in the book. But anyways, because it's Clive Staples, <laughs> the master master philosophist. I think he he was a big part in a lot of things that the Christian worldview and like how people understand things and yeah. like he explained like so mere christianity is a book he wrote it in 1952 um and it like i don't know it just really explains a lot of things with some like visual representations which is nice for me it's not like super hard to get his metaphors and stuff which is nice yeah um, he writes it in kind of a hard way that you have to like really focus when he reads yeah it's true so that's that's the kind of thing. Well, it's probably too because the stuff he talks about is like yeah. hard stuff to understand. But I'm reading the screw tape letters, and I feel like he could have written it a lot easier to understand. <laughs> but still, that's a good book. I can like rewrite it. Yeah. The simplified screw tape letters. So the first chapter. I mean, Jonah just listened to it. So what do you think the first chapter is about? Yeah, Luke was like, "We're doing a podcast today at 10:45," and I was like, "Can we do nine? He's like, "No." And so I sat up here and tried to get some school done. Anyway, and I listened to the first chapter. Um, <laughs> Multitasking. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's it's it's not C.S. Lewis reading, which is kind of disappointing. But I well, doubt they died. had the technology back then to record, <laughs> unless they were like on those. Uh, Bro, I bet the AI voiceover is soon to come. Is there no? Recording? But d- dude, he he the 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 way this book was first brought to the world was through a broadcast mm. in World War Two, I think. Mm, yeah. So they have the voice. So we should probably just listen to that honestly, if you listen to it. No, but then he's probably, but then he so wrote, probably wrote like some old crackly like <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's about the laws of human nature and then the first part is him like explaining why it's stupid for people to 
be talking like, um, oh, but you promised or something like that. He just like gives a bunch of examples about like what people will say to like, I think kind of justify certain things. It's like he talks about morality and how each of us have a morality like almost built into us. And if we're treated unfairly, like we all base things off of a certain like a right and wrong standard. And that standard, he talks about how it wasn't like created by man, but how it was like placed in us at birth almost. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people argue like, okay, let's just dive into this. So it's like right and wrong. That's what kind of what it boils down to. Like what's right and what's wrong. And there's a cool quote in here. Um, Suppose you hear a cry from, for help from a man in danger. You will possibly feel two desires. One is to give help due to your herd instinct. The other is a desire to keep out of danger due to the instinct of self-preservation. But you will find inside you, in addition to these two impulses, a third thing, which tells you that you ought to follow the impulse to help and suppress the impulse to run away. Now, this thing that judges between two instincts that decides which should be encouraged or, yeah, encouraged, can itself be either of them. But feeling a desire to help is quite different from feeling that you ought to help, whether you want to or not. So the desire to do what would be morally correct is like that third voice in a way. Because we have like instinct, but morality isn't like instinct in a way. Because like instinct, I guess, is if you, like if you touch something hot, you like take your hand away. That's instinct. Mm -hmm. So the impulse to do right or wrong can put us into situations that go against our instinct. I don't know, do you have any stories where you've listen to that third voice <laughs> i do actually let's hear it um so the lady um i know i was driving home from i forget where but it was pretty late at night it was dark definitely oh i was driving home from my girlfriend's house um it was pretty late at night so probably like 10 ish um and i see this car on the side of the road and it has its emergency lights on and at first i pass it and i was like nah they don't really need help that's that's all good <laughs> And then I keep driving, and I'm just thinking about it because I saw this lady standing in the back, and she's, like, looking for something. I was like, well, maybe she popped a tire, and she doesn't know how to fix it or something like that. So I just thought about it for long enough. And so then at the next turnaround, I turned around, and I went back. That's pretty cool because usually, like, when you pass someone, like, oh, well, I guess it's over. But there's always that opportunity where you can't turn around. I was like, maybe this is going to be a cool opportunity to help someone. And so, yeah, the next turnaround, I, I whipped it back around. And uh turns out she ran out of gas and um she was super desperate. She was kind of she was like maybe two miles away from the gas station, but it's next to like this busy highway in like a canyon and there's snow piled up in like the breakdown lane, so you can't really walk anywhere. Um so I I went and bought her some gas and then I filled up her car with it. What'd you put the gas into? <laughs> We didn't really have a gas container, so she gave me her this this Dawn dish. No, it wasn't Dawn. It was like a Tide laundry detergent thing that she dumped out. <laughs> and so I went and I went and washed that out, and then I put the gas in there. And it didn't have a lid, so I was driving my stick shift with one hand and a gallon of gas, or not even a gallon. It was probably like two liters of gas in one hand. I was trying to like steer and shift and all this stuff without spilling gas everywhere. Oh, and I went and broke a branch off a tree so that I could push down the the little caps that I could pour gas in there. Nice. No, and then she was super thankful, and then on our community uh, post of, like, the whole valley, she posted this thing where she pretty much thanked me and called me a good egg in front of, like, um, 
54,000 people. A good egg. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read you the comment? Yeah. I've, I haven't heard this comment. Saved. I saved it because I like looking at it when I feel like a bad person. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, it has 696 likes. Um, and it says, whoever raised Jonah with a Jeep near Old Snowmass. Dot, dot, dot. Kid was my hero tonight. Brought me a gas on 82 after a tank went empty after an insane day of work at the airport. And, uh, and things. I thought I would make it to the Conoco and I fell short. Thank you again, Jonah. And parents, you raised a good egg. And then there's a little um, halo emoji with a, with a you know, bicep flex. And then there's just a bunch of comments from some people I know and some people I don't. And they're nice. like, wow, this is very inspiring. So the question is, were you raised to have that sort of reaction to something? Or was that something innately built into you that you acted upon, you think? Or was it a mix of both? Uh, Probably both. I was kind of raised to... Yeah. Dad would always be like, Dad would probably have stopped before he even passed. <laughs> um, so it's like, because C.S. Lewis kind of brings this up as like, some people think it's a social construct. But it is, it was really an instinct, I think. Yeah. And some people think it's like a moral standard that like was created by humans. But the argument for that is like, it kind of goes against, well, first off, like, if people believe in evolution, it goes against like keeping ourselves safe and following the instinct of you know, becoming stronger in a sense. Um, and like, honestly, if you look at most cultures, all of their, like when you kind of like really dig down, like it was always wrong really to murder someone. Yeah. It was always wrong to like, you know, do all the things that we think are evil, like to the core, most cultures or almost all of them have that same. Except the ones where they're like, Hey, let's put babies in a smoldering statue's hand. Yeah. Now, there's somewhere it got. <laughs> um, I feel like so when he talked about like it's not taught, like that instinct of right from wrong is not taught. I think that's true, but I think it can definitely be strengthened and encouraged. I think we have both when we're. I think we have both when we're grown up with, and depending on the parents, there's either you help or you ignore. Because I feel like a lot of people, especially that are raised in, maybe like you know more kind of scary cities where they could easily be a trap or something. Their parents are like, well, if you see someone on the side of the road for help, they're low-key kind of on their own. Um, you don't really want to put yourself in danger from this. Um, don't die. It could be a trap and you could get kidnapped or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then there's the other parents that are like, hey, there's someone that needs help. You should help them if you can. Mm-hmm. So there's like, the cool thing he says too is like, the law of gravity tells you that when a stone falls... Like, or when you drop a stone, it falls to the ground. And then the law of human nature tells us what man should do, but does not do. You know? Yeah, you sound so smart. <laughs> Quoted that straight out of the book. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. That's what, that's what the book said. <laughs> and that was actually an original thought of mine. I just thought uh, that up right C.S. there. C.S. Lewis actually copied that from me. <laughs> yeah, Clive Staples is actually a plagiarist. Um, no, that's true. So that's fun. Yeah. Here's some more quotes from the book. <laughs> um, why we have free will. Why we have free will. Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automatia, some whatever, of creatures that worked like machines would hardly be worth creating. So that's, that's the concept of like... Oh, automatia. So like like an autonomous, where, yeah, yeah, like a machine. robot or puppet. So this is like the argument of like, 
I don't know, kind of almost falls into predestination in a way. But like the whole free will thing of like, there can't be true love without choice. But it also allows yeah. evil to enter the world, which is it's a really good point. I think that's like the best way I've heard it described in like yeah. a short form way, mm-hmm. which is cool. But there's more things like that coming up in the book. And I don't want to just quote a bunch of these questions. So we're going to go to Q&A. We're just going to read you guys the book. All right. <laughs> Bedtime story. No, but I encourage you guys actually like go read it. And next episode, we'll do a little bit more research, have us some more prepared and like have some more cool conversations. But um, if you guys read it along, I think it'll make it a lot more exciting. So I think someone should just remaster all of Mr. Clive Staples' books into remixed. Yeah. So there's not. Oh, dude, there's a masterpiece. Such nefarious words. <laughs> it's like the King James version of literature. Exactly. Just make me an NIV <laughs> so that I can be happy. Because sometimes I'll be reading in the screw tape letters and I'll just be reading this chapter. I was like, what are you even. What is he saying here? Yeah. And then I'll like go like further down the page and then I'll get kind of a grasp and then I'll have to jump back to the top <laughs> and skip. Is, is the screw tape letters like <sighs> almost like horror or like how's no. it written? It's so. It's pretty much. Like a senior executive demon teaching this other demon how to like, like from a first person point of view kind of thing or no he's writing him letters okay so he's like um dear wormwood which is like the, the demon, demon that's supposed to possess the guy his name is he his name he signs every letter off with uh your affectionate uncle screw tape <laughs> so it's kind of it's it's kind of strange but um yeah it's pretty much like the senior demon trying to teach this other like newer demon how to like plague people and like them yeah exactly and so he's like trying to get him to like fall in love with like a girl but like the girl like so that she can like tempt him with like sexual morality and stuff and like it's it's like it's it's a really interesting book and then like of course the human ends up falling in love with this like super christian girl and then He's like, damn you, Wormwood, you fool. And he just, like, starts making fun of this stupid little demon who sucks at his job. Nice. Yeah. I feel like that's Wormwood right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just some goofball. Some twerp. All right, let's hop into Q&A. This is going to be the shortest podcast I've ever had. but um, This this is by Eric something. Or Arik. I don't know how you say the name. Bro, Eric with an E is... <laughs> Eric spelled with an, with an a. a is crazy. I have a question. How do you know that you are for sure going to heaven? By the way, my name is Eric with an A. I'm sure... I'm 13 from Iowa. Um, Thanks, Eric. 13-year-olds from Iowa. Well, I don't know what... Su- I want to... We should try to word this in a way C.S. Lewis would say it. This is a question I had a lot when I was 13, too, I feel like. Um, Eric... The the question in itself is, well, it is a smart question, but it is not truly the question you're seeking. The answer you are seeking is when do you start a relationship with the one who owns heaven, who created heaven, who created the earth, because only then will you find peace in this answer. You see, so many Christians, they... <laughs> this is 13-year-old kid, bro. <laughs> Um, no, but I feel like, okay, so look it up on YouTube. There's the, probably some pastor that's like <laughs> better at explaining this than Luke. The whole, the whole, like, I feel like so many Christians are just concerned about, okay, how do I get to heaven? Yeah. And that's the focus, right? Where in reality, what you want to focus on is like the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and savior and believe they died for you on the cross. That's when eternity starts. That's when heaven comes down to earth, like through you in a sense, right? Like you are God's Jesus's ambassador on earth. And you are bringing the kingdom um, to earth. So you should, like, 
just being sure in that I feel like in that role is comforting. Um, and I mean, like we, we've had questions before, like, you know, is there a height requirement? Like all these requirements, <laughs> there's like, all you need is Jesus's forgiveness and to truly believe that. And then the whole thing comes up again of like, well, so I can just accept Jesus and then do whatever I want. Yeah. Pretty much when I was 13, I had this question a lot too, because I'd go to young life camp and then I'd be like, Jesus is awesome. And then I'd leave and then I would end up doing things where I'm like, oh, wait, now he doesn't love me anymore and I'm going to hell. Stop that, <laughs> Eric. Stop it. Get some help. No, but that's that's pretty much how it went. I don't know if that's how it's going for you, but um, yeah, as you get kind of older and you like read the Bible more and you like hear more sermons and things and whatever. Um, you get more knowledge, but I feel yeah. so, okay, this is a question I still have to this day. And mm-hmm. something that's really thrown me off is like, when someone you really look up to that you think has all the faith in the world, I'm talking about uh, Matthew, the youth pastor here, and he's like, I'm pretty sure this is all real. <laughs> yeah, I, but I don't have the question of am I going to heaven is, is that I feel like I have the now, now that I'm older, is the I have more of the uh, is heaven real question. Like if this book is real, I know I'm going to heaven because I yeah. the book says this. So is the book real? So I would say, like at the point in my life, like, Someone could point a gun at me, and I think I'd like to think I'd say yes, Jesus is real, and the consequence would be they shoot me. I think I would say that. Uh, I'm that sure of it. I think where I'm willing to die for it. But faith, like, that's the thing about like faith and belief. Like the difference there is like I feel like believing something, you almost have facts to back it up, where faith is like believing without like seeing kind of thing. You know. Yeah. But like with the whole gun to your head kind of things, like. Is it going to be public? Will everyone know that you died for Jesus and you become a <laughs> martyr? Or is it just like you're kind of in a ditch and you get shot and the autopsy is like, oh, this this kid got shot? Does it matter, though? Well, maybe. Because if you die as, like a, like as a martyr, it could be inspirational it's a testimony, obviously, but like Yeah. But if, you, if you're just like, nah, and you deny Jesus like Peter did, then you can go live on and do like crazy things like Peter did. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point. So I don't know what I would say. I feel like in that moment I'd be like, I want to live, I want to live, I want to live. Um, but also if it was just like in front of a bunch of like unbelievers, <laughs> they're all scared, and I'd be like, hey, guys, don't worry. See me, the Christian guy? I know where I'm going, so shoot. I feel, yeah, so I feel like it would come down to circumstance. I don't know. I don't know. I think it would be. But like what would God want you to do? Well, when, G- when like Jesus told Peter he was going to betray him three times or like deny him three times. Yeah. And he was obviously disappointed. Yeah. He obviously was forgiven, but he wasn't like, heck yeah, bro. Way of staying out of trouble. Like death yeah. is, death isn't up to the person shooting you. Death is up to God. And if God thinks that it's your time to go and that's the way you're going to go. I guess you could also have like a, a big effect on the, the shooter guy. That's true. Look him dead in the eye and be like, Cause he'd be like, yeah, there's not even anyone here. Like he really believes this. He didn't do this for any selfish reasons. So I guess there's always an opportunity to plant a seed, but <laughs> um, I, know, I think we need C.S. Lewis's comment on this or, or just anyone's. We need to summon him with one of those witches like Solomon or uh, Saul did. <laughs> Can you summon C.S. Lewis, please? That's the crazy thing is like the more you read in the Bible, like the more like myths and stuff become reality. Yeah. 
demigods. Yeah. Which is... Uh, next question. Michael Pender. This is a good one. Okay, my question is, how should we as believers respond to dirty, inappropriate jokes in the workplace? <laughs> Watch The Office. Just say that's what she said to everything. You'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> no. um, I don't know. I feel is like... Is this one of those uh, turn-the-other-cheek situations? It really depends on the joke. Yeah. It's like, I think we as Christians aren't called to be just like, hey, man, like pull people to the side and be like, that joke? <laughs> Grab him by the shoulder, look him in the eye. Dude, come on now. You're better than this. <laughs> that joke? Dude, that could really hurt some people's feelings, dude. Let's take that into consideration. <laughs> For me, as a believer in Jesus. That, that was too far. Mm-mm. I can't. Come on, man. I'm going to have to report you to oh, Look, like, I feel like that's like all that's going to do for you in the workplace is make you someone that nobody wants to talk to. Yeah. Now, we're not saying yeah to like tolerate everything. Okay, let's just create some scenarios here. Um, you're in the warehouse with Daryl. Someone makes a bad, terrible joke. And uh, you laugh and you make a dirty joke back. Probably not the best way to react to that situation. If you want to reflect Jesus, but it just depends on the joke. Yeah, I don't know the people around you. Give us these dirty jokes. I kind of want to see if they're funny <laughs> or not. Because um, like Jesus kind of joked around sometimes too, and I'm sure it wasn't like inappropriate jokes, but like it's fine to like laugh with each other. And it depends if the person telling the joke is a Christian yeah. or if he's uh, soon to be Christian, because you're gonna tell the truth <laughs> but like we can't hold people to the standard that we hold other believers to yeah so you gotta take that in consideration is like okay well in his shoes telling a dirty joke i mean the world means nothing i'm just some adam floating around it's just looking for some humor here like you can't really there's almost that. no harmless joke either like every joke every joke has truth to someone's it. expense yeah because that's what's funny about it <laughs> i guess <laughs> It's just like, to what extent, like, and this is a hypothetical person. Why did the farmer bury all his money so that he could get rich soil? The the thing we're laughing at is how stupid this farmer is <laughs> because he's such a moron and he's burying all his money for rich soil, you know. So that was like the most PG joke. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Is every single joke in the world comes at someone else's? Well, I feel like it really discriminates the soil. Yeah. Is look soil this, just look to at make this us rich? Dolt of a farmer. <laughs> this guy's actually so slow. <laughs> he has a brick in his brain. Um. Yeah. So I think I think the thing, just like, if your character is kind of right for it, like you know, be funny in an appropriate way. You can be funny in an appropriate way, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, prank people. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so we we're reading today, Luke. 27 i think it is and it's when jesus like three days after appears to some of the like not the 12 disciples but some of like the people that follow him closely mm-hmm. and like shows up on the road and starts chatting to him and like asks them what's going on and stuff and oh, like yeah. haven't you heard this guy named jesus from nazareth jesus you know? was a little prankster dude and then he just like showed up he's like at the at the dinner table with him because he like <laughs> invited himself to this dinner and he breaks bread and does the wine and kind of like reveals that he's Jesus and then he just disappears, like just vanishes in front of them. Another one I find really funny <laughs> is where his his disciples are all on on all on the water 
and the sea is like super like bad and like they're like getting tossed around in the waves and stuff. Jesus is just casually taking a stroll on the water. Or he's he, taking a nap in another one, too. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, he's either taking a nap, mm-hmm. but in this one, he's just taking a stroll on the water, and he didn't even be, pl- like, it, it says he didn't even, he wasn't, it wasn't even planned for him to be seen. And then they saw him, and they thought he was a ghost. And I guess he thought it was, maybe maybe it wasn't funny at, to him <laughs> at that point anymore. I think maybe he was just taking a stroll on the water to just kind of laugh at his disciples for getting <laughs> super scared at all this water that's coming into their boat and stuff. And then they saw him, and they thought he was a ghost, and then he showed up, and he was like, what's up, bros? And then he was like, have ye no faith? And then he turned off the water. It's pretty funny. Yep. The wind's died down. <laughs> so we don't really have an answer for you here, but we have some commentary. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Yeah, if you want another Jesus prankster story is when he disappears <laughs> into the temple at 12 years of age. And then his parents come back after three days and they're like, where were you? And he was like, bro, didn't you know I was in my dad's house? You guys are such goofballs. Or where he turned foot water into wine yeah. for a wedding. Well, obviously. I, I'll pretty much all his miracles are like pranks, <laughs> cause, but they're not pranks because they're real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one I really kind of like like imagining is the one where he spits in the dirt and rubs it in the blind guy's <laughs> eye. Like, can you imagine that? There's like this blind dude. He's in rags. He's sitting on the floor, and he's like begging for this guy to heal him. And Jesus is like, yeah, bro, I got you. And he spits in the dirt and he makes mud and he just starts rubbing it over this dude's eyes. And he's like, hey, blind guy, go find the pool and go wash yourself. <laughs> this poor guy is trying to find. Pretty crazy stuff, man. Yeah. Or where he just like dies in front of everybody. <laughs> like his mom and stuff. That <laughs> wasn't really a prank, bro. <laughs> that was he, he told sad. him it was coming, but, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's just end off the podcast with another C.S. Lewis quote. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, okay, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can't shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him like and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him the Lord and your Lord and God. Let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about this his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. <laughs> Bro, you weren't reading a quote, you're just kinda saying stuff. <laughs> Like I don't know if that made sense. Bro, Wormwood is throwing me off down here in the corner, dude. Look at his goofy eyes. This is his tongue. But bro, the poached egg line is crazy. (laughs) We'll go figure out what that means for next episode. So stay tuned. But with that being said, (coughs) go read some C.S. Lewis. But more importantly, read your Bibles. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next video (laughs) and audio podcast. If you don't watch it, Wormwood is definitely watching the podcast. Look at those eyes. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus.